Well, good morning, Westside. What a pleasure, what an opportunity it is to come and gather together to sing songs, uh, Christmas songs, Christmas carols this year, but also the opportunity that I have to come and bring God's word. As Cody said, my name is Luke Henry. I am the associate pastor here, and I just realized that I've only been here a few months, and I am just beginning to scratch the surface of what it's like to be here at Westside. It's such a blessing so far. Me and my family are are grateful to be here, be part of it, and just to continue to learn who, you, who everyone is here and just to learn more about what you all do together as a church here at Westside. Um, this morning, we are kicking off our Christmas message series. We're looking at the story of Jesus and his birth, and as I sat down to talk with Merrick, not just about this one message, but the series overall, he wanted to look at not just the birth of Jesus, but the events that followed the birth of Jesus, the, the encounters of all the people and how they came to know the Jesus after his birth. And so this morning we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 and looking at the shepherds and look at their story and how, Jesus, how they were impacted by the birth of Jesus. But today we're going to look at exactly for ourselves and what it means to, to see the impact of Jesus, that he came, he arrived, and that he's making an impact in our lives today. I'm going to encourage you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 if you haven't already, but I encourage you to have a copy of God's Word with you because it's, it's always good as we go through God's Word and teach God's Word that we see it as well as we hear it. Um, but as we look at the story of the, of the shepherds, it's a, a story that many of us are probably familiar with. It's a story that we have seen acted out before. We've seen it in the movies, but we're pretty familiar with what happened with the shepherds, that there was this great announcement of Jesus' birth. There was this announcement that brings good news to all people. And, and during Christmas, we like to hear good news, right? We want to hear the good things that are happening. And a lot of times at Christmas, we share the stories over and over and over again, same stories over and over again, just because the, these stories hold value. They're important to us. We want to share those stories with people. Uh, there was a story that came to mind as we started to prepare this message of, of a, of a great time that happened with me in the years of Christmas. It was when I was in, in college. Um, we, once a week, we'd go over to a couple's house, and we would have dinner. They'd open us their house up so we could have Bible study with them. We, we really cherished this time because they not only just invited us into their home, but they invited us into their lives, and we got to know them really well. We wanted to appreciate them for that. So as college students, we gathered whatever money we had, and we pooled it together, and we gave it to the girls because you don't want to trust a college guy with money and, a, and the importance of getting a Christmas gift because it may not be done uh, on time or on top of that, somebody, it won't be as elaborate as some people would like. You know, girls are just better at that type of thing. Definitely not my forte. But um, we get the gift and we show up to our Christmas party. And during a Christmas party, the couple I says, well, share a story that was important to you about Christmas before. And one of my friends shared a story about when he was six years old and he had the opportunity to buy the first gift a gift for his dad. First time he was able to pick out a gift for his dad. And he was so overwhelmed that as he handed the gift to his dad, he, go, he was so excited, he just had to tell me, it's a cup, it's a cup, it's a cup. And, it was just, and we all laughed because he shared it just as he was when he was six years old. It's just that one of those moments you're like, man, this is really fun. And, and then later in the night, we give him the gift. And you know what's going through the mind of every college guy at this moment. We're, we're still laughing at our friend and his story that as they're holding their gifts, all of us guys are going, it's a cup, it's a cup, it's a cup. You need to know, we did not know what the girls got them for their Christmas gift. And he opens it up, and it's a coffee mug. And we all start laughing, except for the girls who are giving us the look. 
Because, but you know what? We have these stories that 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 we love to share because they're an impact to us. They're there that we cherish them, and we want to share the excitement of these moments with everyone else. And that's what we find with the story of the shepherds: that there's this this moment of excitement. The greatest announcement in history is given to shepherds. And we're going to learn today a lot about the shepherds and how they responded, because what we're going to see is a modeled response to the gospel. And if you're a note taker today, that is, uh, that, if you want to go ahead and write that down, that's the title of this message. It is a modeled response to the, to the gospel. And I want to challenge us today as we reflect on the story of the shepherds, how do we respond to the gift of Jesus in our lives? I want to challenge us and how that impacts us daily. So as we gather together, I want to read from God's Word. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 2 and verses 8 through 20. Join with me, please. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for, uh, for all he had heard and seen as it had been told them. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, this is your word. This is your word to us. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, that we would hear, that we would be challenged by these words today. Lord, use me as a messenger of your word to be faithful to your word. Lord, speak through me with boldness. Lord, these are your words. May we hear them today. May we be transformed by them. Challenge us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as we begin to look at this passage and understand a response to the gospel, understanding why uh, we were here to celebrate the birth of Jesus, I want us to uh, understand why all of us need to respond in obedience to the gospel. Why all of us need to respond in, uh, in obedience to the gift of Jesus Christ in our lives. And I think as we look at this passage, the first question that needs to be asked, first and foremost, is why is the birth of Jesus important? Why is the birth of Jesus important? Because here's the thing. I think we've, we've gotten used to the significance of the story that it has no impact on us anymore. I think we've gotten so used to the story that we don't really understand the true significance anymore in our lives that we do, that we truly need to sit back and go back to the beginning of understanding what is God trying to show us through this word. It, it, when we look at Luke and how he wrote this gospel account of Jesus' life, he, he did the research. He went and took, had interviews with lots of people, and he took all the research that he had, and he compiled it into the, uh, the gospel account we have today. And he, I think he's very intentional about the information he shares with us. 
If you look at the very first verse of Luke chapter 2, he mentions Caesar Augustus. I think he's intentional about sharing this man's name because Caesar Augustus is known for um, Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. In 27 BC, and for about 100 years, there was peace in Rome, meaning that there were no wars that the Roman Empire was fighting in. And it was said of, of Augustus by a Greek philosopher named Epictetus. It says, while the emperor may have given peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for man yearns more than ever for outward peace. So Rome wasn't fighting any wars, but there were still many internal struggles going on within the empire. There were still many struggles going on within the heart of man. So I, think, I believe Luke is intentional about pointing to Caesar Augustus first, because he's pointing to the birth of Jesus, saying he can't give peace, but the one who is coming, he's the one that can give peace. No one else here on earth, no power that anybody can hold, no treasure anybody can hold, no one can give peace, only an anointed one who is coming. And I think when we look at it, we start to ask this question, why is it important? Because Jesus' birth is important because it reveals our brokenness, and it reveals our need for a Savior. Jesus' birth reveals our brokenness and our need for a Savior. It reveals that we need the gospel. We need the good news as proclaimed to the shepherds here in verses 10 through 11. But the important thing to understanding the gospel is this. The good news of the gospel is only good news when you know and understand the bad news and what you are saved from. So look at verse 10. Look at this announcement the angel is proclaiming. He says, and, in, and the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I think we need, you need to note this real quick, is that this is the first time and the only time in the Bible where we see these three titles of Jesus together. Savior, Christ. Lord. It, it, what these titles speak to, it speaks to who Jesus is and what he came to do. It highlights his ministry. It highlights his mission, his royalty, and his authority that he had as he went on mission for the purpose he came to earth. If, if you go back to the story in Matthew chapter 1, when Joseph is, is contemplating if he should divorce Mary or not, an, an angel comes to him and tells him what he needs to know about Jesus the one who is to be born. He tells them in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, he says, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is given the title of Savior because he would deliver, he would save his people, he would rescue his people from their sins. What we see about Jesus' birth is that the Savior of our sins has come to the world. And he's even given the title of Christ, which is the Greek translation for Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one who is coming as the king to fulfill God's promises. If you think back to King David, God made a covenant with David. He said, the descendant of yours will always be on the throne. So Jesus, as Christ, as Messiah, as the anointed one, is the fulfillment of prophecies that Jesus has come to fulfill God's promises. He has come. He came. He fulfills the promises of the, and prophecies of the Old Testament. And lastly, he is Lord. The, the verbiage that's here in, in, this, in this passage represents Yahweh. Yahweh is the title, the name 
for God in the Old Testament where the Israelites weren't even allowed to speak the name Yahweh in the same breath. So what this is showing is that Jesus is, has a divine nature of himself. He's divinely God. He is God incarnate in Jesus, God in flesh. So Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is the perfect sacrifice that we need, Savior, Messiah, Lord. The birth of Jesus is more than just a baby who lies in the manger. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior and the Lord of our lives. But here's the thing. Without Jesus in our lives, we are separated from God. And that's the bad news of the gospel. The bad news is that we are eternally separated from God. There is a barrier that keeps us from a personal, intimate relationship with God. And that barrier is sin. And that no matter how much good we can do, sin in our lives will always ruin whatever good because sin makes, uh, it, it causes us to do bad things. God, it keeps us, sin keeps us separated from God. God who is holy, who is complete, who is perfect. It can't be with those who have sin in their lives. It makes us unclean. So we are separated from God, and no matter what we can do, nothing can fix the problem that's in our lives. So it reveals our brokenness, but it also reveals that we need a Savior, and God looked at us and knew what we needed, and we needed Jesus. And he gives us Jesus, Jesus who came to save us from our sins, Jesus who fulfilled all the promises and all the prophecies, who came as a suffering servant who would die on the cross who would take our sins and take our punishment upon himself and die. And three days later, rise from the grave, conquering sin and death's grip on our lives to be the Savior and the Lord of our lives. He came to be the rescue from our sins, what we needed the most. So we need Jesus. He came to give us peace from the sins of our lives that leaves us in turmoil. We need Jesus to be the Savior of our lives. So it started to make me think, as I looked at this passage, with the magnitude of this message that, that we have in Jesus, why would God go share this message with shepherds? I mean, when we have exciting news, when something big happens in our lives, we go and tell our friends and family about it, right? Maybe you're the person that goes to Facebook first and says, you know what, everybody's already on Facebook, so everybody's already on social media. I'll post it there. Everyone's going to see it. They're all going to know and it'll be told because it makes news. I mean, this is type of news about who Jesus is, this birth. It's breaking news, and I'm sitting here asking, why shepherds? The greatest announcement in all of the history, why would God go to shepherds first? Because shepherds were the lowest class of society. No one desired to be a shepherd. They were despised, distrusted. They were basically deprived of all their civil rights as a shepherd. They were not respected by people just because of their character and their appearance. And due to their work as being a shepherd, they were ceremonially unclean, which means as being an unclean person, you are not allowed to go to the temple to worship God. These shepherds were never permitted to go to the temple to worship God. And for them to be able to go, there would be weeks for them to be clean so that they could go and worship. No one desires a job in the first century to be a shepherd. You know, you probably heard the saying before, it's not a glorious job, but someone has to do it. How is the work of a shepherd? So we sit here and say, well, why? Why would he go to shepherds? Because I want us to look again at verse 10. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So who is this message for? All the people. 
See, God is intentional about the, what he does, and there's a specific reason to why he does what he does. Because the shepherds were the first ones to know about the birth of Jesus because God wants to go to the poor. He wants to go to the lowly. He wants to go to the ones that no one else would ever go. No one would ever go out of their way to go and talk and have a conversation with a shepherd. Generally, shepherds were the last one to find out if anything else happened because they're out in the fields. They're outside of town. They're out doing their work, and they don't find out much information from anyone else. So the exciting news of the birth of Jesus first went to a group that everyone else would have excluded, but that's not how God works. God includes everyone. He has a message that is for all people. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is for all people, so God is intentional. He doesn't go to the rich and powerful who have no idea of their, or, or no sense of what their needs are. He goes to people who are humble, who are lowly, who know that they are in need, and that people who know they need a Savior. So the greatest announcement in our world goes to shepherds because it's a message that is for all people. And we can learn from this story. We can learn so much about shepherds because that's who we need to be. We need to be humble and lowly like shepherds, understanding that we are in need, that we can't do it all. And so I want to use the rest of our time and look specifically at how the shepherds responded to this message of a Savior. And because what we need to understand, it's a model. It's an, it's an example of, of a mark of a disciple, the mark of a follower of Jesus Christ, of what we need to be doing in our own lives as we come to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here, let's look at this, a model of how we must respond to Jesus. It, it, I mean, just think about it. And we're, we, we, we probably have done this before, if you if you've sat in church before and you've heard a message, you probably sit down and ask the question, well, what was it like that night? Dark, probably a starry night, quiet, all is calm. Shepherds are watching their flocks that night. Sounds like a Christmas song, right? And the sheep are eating and they're, they're, they're sleeping probably. Then out in the middle of nowhere, it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of, of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. I mean, if a heavenly being showed up out of nowhere right in front of you and the glory of the Lord showed up, we would be terrified, would we not? Anytime if you look throughout the Bible and you look at the glory of God and how it is revealed, people will either hide their eyes from seeing the glory of God or they'll be so overwhelmed with God's glory that they'll be driven to their knees. And that's exactly what we see here in this moment that the disciples are filled with such great fear that they're just drawn to their knees, humbling themselves, what is going on, they're freaking out. But I, something I want us to notice at first is, for the, this is the first time in centuries that God's glory is seen. If you look at like in, in, throughout the Bible, you know that when, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, God's presence was known in the tabernacle. As, as they went place to place, the, God's presence would stay with the tabernacle, and then, then it was made known in the temple when it was in Jerusalem that represented God's presence. But if you go to Ezekiel, as he's handing out these prophecies and all these judgments about what God is doing, he tells them that God has removed his presence from the temple because of the nation's sin. And so in this moment, God's glory has returned in the person of Jesus, and his glory is shown around the shepherds. And the shepherds are terrified. Terrified. I mean, the verbiage that's in our passage speaks of great fear. So there is an intensity to their fear that it just simply overwhelms them that they just can't handle it anymore. I mean, you ever had that moment in your life when you had fear 
and you're just like, oh, I don't know what to do. The shepherds are freaking out because the heavens have opened up. Dark night and the heavens have opened up and the angel says, fear not. Shepherds had to be tough people. They had to be brave people. They had to be bold people because their job required them to take care and provide and feed and, 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 and just protect the flock. And if, if any dangers came their way, who was going to be the one that was going to protect the flock? It's going to be the shepherd. He was going to be the one that would have to, if he saw a wild animal or thieves coming, he would stand between the sheep and the danger. It, take, it took boldness. So this bold, brave men as shepherds are terrified and an angel brings comfort in this tough situation by saying, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news, great joy. We need to learn of how they respond in this moment. First thing that we need to see is that they heard and received the message. How do we respond to the gospel? We hear and receive the message. It wasn't just a message that goes in one ear and out the other. It wasn't just a message that we contemplate and think about. And do, do I wait for the right time? Do I do something right now? Or do I not do anything about it? The shepherds heard this message and they received it. Jesus would teach a parable in his earthly ministry, the parable of the four soils, or maybe you might have heard of it told before as the parable of the sower, where there's a farmer who goes out and he casts seed. And the seed is the gospel, it's the word, it's the truth. And, and, and Jesus tells us that the, the soils that the seed falls upon are the hearts of men as they hear the word and how they receive it. And, and Jesus tells us the first soil that receives the word is the hard path, where it's rock hard, and that's the hard heart that would never receive the word of God. It just gets, it goes in one ear and out the other. The birds come and pluck it away. The next soil is the rocky soil, where, where the word it, it looks as though it grows, and it looks extravagant. There's excitement. There's, there's visible marks like, man, they got it. But when the pressures of the world comes, it just withers away because it, the commitment was never real. The, the word never took root in that person's heart. The third soil was the soil that was among the thorns, among the, the weeds. And what that showed, what Jesus told us, was that that was a heart that was divided, the heart that, that wanted to love the things of God but had, had a love for the world and was caught in between a love for God and, and a love for the world that because it was divided, it never truly loved God, that it never produced fruit. But God tells us that there was one good soil. It was the good soil that received the, the, the seed. And it welcomed the seed, and as it welcomed it, it produced the fruit that was 10, 50, 100 times fold of what it initially, what it initially produced. And see, what we can tell by the shepherds and how they responded, that they not only just heard the word, but that they received it into their hearts and that they allowed it to take root. May we understand how when we hear the word of God in our own lives, may we hear it and receive it, that we allow the word to take root, take hold in our lives. And look, as they received this message, we know that they received it because they responded to that. There was initiation to what they wanted to do. God has made it known to us about this miracle, and so we must go and find out about it for ourselves. Look at verse 15. It says, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And if you look at verse 16, beginning there, it says, and they went in haste. They went with haste. So there's this intense urgency to them going. They didn't want to hold back. They, they, they went. 
They, want, they just want to sit down and contemplate, do we wait till morning? Do we wait for another shift to come? Like, no, God has made it known to us now. Let's go now. And they left, and they went immediately to find this story. See if it was true. I love the Christmas season. I love all that comes with it. I, I, one thing that my family loves to do is we love to watch Christmas movies. I don't know if you guys watch Christmas movies, but there's one movie that we've already watched already, and it's a movie called Jingle All the Way. Uh, the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he goes to, to buy a Turbo Man action figure for his son. And, and what the movie just depicts is the mass chaos of the Christmas season because the, the people go out of their way to get that one gift that everybody else wants to get for their loved ones, right? And, and, and when we think of Christmas season, we think of the, the people who camp out, the people who rush the doors, who knock everybody down, and push things out of the way just so that they could get what they want to get, right? the mad rush of the Christmas season. Well, as I was doing the study, Warren Wearsby said that this moment here with the, with, the, with the shepherds was the first Christmas rush where they went with haste to find out the story that they were told was true. They, they were told exactly what they were going to find. They were told they were going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so they're like, we know the facts. Let's go see if it's true. Let's see all that God has made known to us, and they went with urgency. If we look at the story, we see how the, the, the shepherds reacted, but there's another story in the, in the Christmas story where we see the opposite response. If you go to Matthew chapter 2 and the wise men, the wise men show up on the scene. They go to Herod, and they request to see the king being born. And Herod goes to his religious leaders. He goes to the chief priests and the scribes and it says, where is the Christ to be born? And they respond, we know the scriptures. Scriptures say he's going to be born in Bethlehem, and they have these people here who have said that he has been born. But do you know what we don't see from the religious leaders, from the scribes and the, and the chief priests? They don't make any time. They don't make any effort to go see if this truly is true. They know the scriptures. They know the facts, but they don't make any effort for themselves to respond to the truth that's been told. Because if we look at the story, when the, when the, when the wise men show up, Joseph has a dream. It says, take flight and go to Egypt. So we don't know what's going on. But how do you respond to hearing the message, the truth of the gospel? How do you respond when you understand the truth and all the facts and how it really is the truth? Do you just wait and say, you know what, I'm going to wait for a more convenient time. I have another Sunday. I have a, another day that I can do this. Are you the type of person who says, I'm going to wait till I got my life together? I think that would be the best prime opportunity for me to respond to the gospel. What is keeping you from responding, from truly responding with full surrender to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because we see these shepherds, they leave in haste, and what happens? They found what they are looking for. This announcement of truth is found lying in a manger. The story is indeed the true story that God has come, that he has given us Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Savior, and Lord of our lives. How do you respond to hearing the truth of this story? So not only do the shepherds, they hear and receive, and not only do they respond in obedience, but look at what happens in verse 17. When they saw it, when they saw the baby lying in a manger, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. See, the shepherds were the first ones to tell others about Jesus. Just imagine the story. This is somewhat how my, my mind works. Don't quote me on how this story, if this is true or anything. But just imagine everyone is in this room, in this house, and they're full of joy. Why? 
because there's a newborn baby. Girls go gaga over a newborn baby, right? Like guys are just like, hey, the baby, congratulations. We'll be praying for you the next several months because you're not going to get any sleep, right? I'm, that's just me. But everybody's in this room full of emotion, and then outcasts walk into the room. This awkward moment happens, and everybody gets quiet and says, what are they doing here? Why did they come? They can't be here. We have a baby who's just born. Why are they here? And these shepherds who are in haste, they come into the bill, they come into the room so full of emotion. I could just see the tears swelling up in their eyes that they look at the manger and say, It's true. The angel told us the truth. It's just how it was. This is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. This is our Savior. This is the Lord. And they respond by looking at everybody else and says, these angels came up to our hill and told us about this baby. Who is the Messiah? Who is the Savior? Who is the Lord? See, the shepherds weren't just the first ones to hear about Jesus being born. They were the first ones to proclaim and wit and tell others about Jesus being born. They reported the good news about Jesus. And it's amazing how God works. I mean, if we just sit back in our lives and just think back at how God continues to work, we can just sit down in amazement about what God continues to do. Because here's the thing, and here's another thing about shepherds. Shepherds were never allowed to testify in a court of law. They just weren't respected enough. They weren't trustworthy enough. They were never allowed to testify in a court of law, but yet God looked at them and says, I'm going to let you guys be the first witness to the truth about me. How about you guys? The first witnesses were unexpected people that no one would ever find. They went and they found out about Jesus and they told people about Jesus. After finding the truth of Jesus Christ in the gospel, they told people about Jesus. Church, we should be the same way. We too are called to tell people about Jesus. We're called to tell people about, about the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves us from our sins. Right? Like it's an obligation, but guess what? It is the greatest privilege in all the world to tell the story of Jesus. And listen, we shouldn't, if we've ever, if we've received the greatest gift of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that, that changes the, the spectrum of our entire lives, that, that brings us back closer to God, that we get to spend eternity, that we're no longer separated from God, we need to share it. Imagine what Christmas would be like if we never shared about the gift that we received. If we went to Christmas parties and never shared about how Christmas was, it would be a pretty boring Christmas party. I wouldn't want to go to it, right? I mean, just imagine, if, if a few weeks from now, we have Christmas Day. It's on a Sunday morning. We're going to be here. We're going to have worship. And you know what? For a lot of us, we're going to be up already at 6 o'clock because our kids are going to wake us up. But you know what happens? The first, here's the first question that's going to happen on Sunday morning. I guarantee it. They're going to go up to each and every kid and they're going to say, what gift did you get this year? Imagine if that kid looked at you and just said, I'm not telling. You're, it, would affect you, it would affect you, right? You would want to hear the joy and excitement of a kid receiving a gift. We don't just open up presents on Sunday on a Christmas morning and throw them into the closet as though they never happened. The story of Jesus, the story of the gospel, is, it should bring such excitement to us that we want to take it and cherish it and share it with others because of the impact it has on our lives. We must go and tell others about Jesus. That, that's the Great Commission. That's the mission of of the church, that we're called to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. For we have received the greatest gift 
in all the world, God wants us, he wants the church to be the ones who go and share the gift of Jesus Christ with others. The last example of how we're to respond, as we see here from the shepherds, is that we are called to praise and give glory to God. Called to give praise and glory to God as as the shepherds find what they're looking for, as they tell others about it, we see how people respond to hearing this news. Some respond in amazement and wonder as what this means. We see Mary who treasures and ponders it in her heart. That's what we do too, is we, we either fill with wonder and amazement over the gospel, we, we ponder and we treasure it in our hearts. But hearing the truth of the gospel always leads to some sort of response. You're either going to respond in obedience and submission to the gospel, or you're going to respond and reject the gospel. Anytime you hear the gospel, there's only two ways to respond to it. Either you're going to accept it, or you're going to reject it. But hearing this truth of the story and seeing all that has happened, it leads the shepherds here in verse 20 to do this. They return, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told. They left praising and giving glory to God because of the gift the announcement that's been told to them. As we see in the beginning of the passage, when, when the angel first shows up on the scene, he is joined with a, a heavenly host, and they're praising God for his graciousness as he gave the gift of peace for all people. That is a gift of grace that God has given us that we don't deserve. But if you look at, the, at what angels do is they praise God. If you look through Job and you get to, um, I forgot what chapter it was, so sorry about that. But in the book of Job, we see that the angels praise God at creation. So at the very beginning, angels are praising God. And if you go to the end of the story, go to Revelation in chapter 5. When John looks at the scroll, he weeps because there's no one who is worthy to open the scroll. There's no one who is worthy to even look at the scroll. But then we see in chapter 5 that the angels praise and rejoice. They praise for God for the slaughtered lamb who is worthy to open the scroll. The, the slaughtered lamb who purchased people for God by his blood. The angels give praise and glory to God. And now we see the angels following their example of praising and worshiping God for all that he has done. I mean, I can imagine the, the, the shepherds as they leave that house and they walk back to their their flocks. Their spirits are high. They're excited. There's probably some that are crying of tears of joy. Others are just happy for everything that's happened. Some of them probably have their arms wrapped around each other walking down the streets, and they're, they're celebrating just as if their favorite sports team has won a championship, and they're so excited, so full of glee because of everything that's happened. And as they're walking down the streets, everyone is noticing that these shepherds are worshiping God. These, these shepherds, these little shepherds are worshiping and praising God. Why? What has happened? I need to know why they're worshiping. Why are they praising God? When we come to church, we come to give glory and honor and praise to God for all that he has done and all that he continues to do in our lives. And the way that we worship reflects how much we treasure the word of God. The way that we worship reflects the way that we love the gospel. So do when, people, when people look at us as a church, do they see the love of the gospel in our lives in the way that we worship? Well, I've been fortunate enough to um, go on three mission trips to El Salvador over my, in the past several years. And 
Uh, I've been truly blessed to, to take those trips and work with the several different churches that we've been with down there. And I started to notice something different about the way that they worshiped and the way that we worship today in most of our churches. Because I've been to a lot of churches. I'm not saying anything about Westside, but I've been to churches where it just seems like, man, do you guys know who you're worshiping? Do you guys love Jesus? Because you're not singing. I've gone to El Salvador, and I've heard people sing at the top of their lungs for no apparent reason. I'm sitting there like, this is awesome. I don't know what you're singing, but I know who you're worshiping. See, we need to be people that we reflect our love for God in the way that we worship, not just on Sunday morning, but the rest of our lives. Does your life show that you reflect a love for the gospel, a love for Jesus, a love that says my life is changed because of this great gift that has been given to me? See, the story of the shepherds is, is an example that we are to look at our own lives and be challenged. Have I responded to God the same way? It's a model of how we would respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a model to how we would respond to the gift of Jesus. As we, we come to the end of, the, of our time, and the worship team makes their way up, we have a time of response. And don't just treat the time of response as, a, as another time in a service where we're going to kind of end our time. But really allow this time to be a reflection for all of us to say, as God has made this known to me, how do I respond to this now? And I want to challenge you with a few questions. Maybe today, after hearing this message, the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, have I truly received the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I've heard it. I've heard it all before. I've heard it told before. I've seen it acted out in movies and in churches. But have I really received the gospel of, of Jesus Christ? You see, the story of the gospel is, is a story of humility. That God would give up his son for us, and that Jesus would leave his heavenly throne and come down to earth, that Jesus would humble himself to the point of death, the point of death on a cross. And so for us, we reflect in humility that we respond in repenting of our sins. Saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. It, it, I, I have not made my life right. Now is the time. To, make, to call Jesus the Lord of your life takes humility. And we need to live out that humility as followers of Jesus Christ. Maybe for some of us in this room, we've been holding on to what we have heard, but we've never truly responded in obedience. We've heard God move in our hearts and move in ways, but we've, so we just quenched it. We've never truly allowed it to work in our own hearts. Maybe today God is saying, I want you to make the commitment today. That today I want you to be obedient to receiving the message of Jesus. Maybe for some of you is that, that you need to make the commitment to reading the word that you truly treasure and ponder the word and allow it to meditate in your lives, you make the commitment today to read the word. Maybe today is the day you say, I want to commit to the church. I want to be part of the body of believers who's going together and making the gospel known. I want to be part of a church that comes and worships God together. I want to commit to him. Maybe for some of you today, you realize that you need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe there's someone on your heart that you're like, I need to share the gospel. Christmas season, and what better time to share the gospel during Christmas? Maybe right now, as you need to pray, that God will give you the strength and the courage to share the gospel with someone close to you this year. And you need to pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to work in that individual's heart so that they would be receptive, that they would hear the gospel and truly receive it and respond. Maybe today, us as a church, maybe today, as as individuals, we need to respond in a way that says, "I'm going to praise and give glory to God with my everything." 
As we come into this time of response, maybe today is the day we say, I'm going to completely give God my all. And I'm going to truly worship him with my heart. Today, as we learn from these shepherds, we call where we see how we're to respond to the gospel of Jesus. Today, church, how are you going to respond to hearing the truth about Jesus? Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the gift of Jesus and a baby who is lying in a manger, born in the most humblest of ways. Lord, we thank you for the message that you gave the shepherds. Shepherds. Lord, we know that you care about us. And Lord, we thank you for this message that's given to us. Lord, reveal to us where we need to get right with you. Lord, reveal to us where we need to make right with you. Lord, for someone in this room, they need to put their faith in you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that you would just start tearing down the walls. Challenge them in their heart. May we celebrate with them as they give their lives to Jesus. Lord, give someone the assurance they need to have today that they are saved, that they're one of yours. Lord, I pray that today that we would make the commitment to be obedient to how you're leading together as church and as individuals. Lord, be with us. Lord, may we respond in worship. May we respond in going. May we respond in sharing the gospel this Christmas season. Lord, we love you for all that you are and all that you do. Would you move now in our presence? Challenge us to respond. Speak to us now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.